thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We are continuing on this uh, series called More Than a Moment. And we were thinking, what is the Christian life all about? And we say, yes, the resurrection of Jesus. That's, that's what it's all about. Without that, listen, we wouldn't be here. There'd be no purpose for us to be here. We would just be like everybody else. But Jesus is alive, and he's well, and he's working in the, in the lives of all of us today. But we wanted to look at what chronologically happened after the resurrection of Jesus and the life of the disciples and the life of the church. It's very important to just not move forward and skip just from one point to another point because something happened very, very significantly in the middle that many times we ignore. And last week we talked about the day of Pentecost and what it has to do with us. What, what does that matter to me? If you didn't see that, let me encourage you just to get online and listen to that message and it will give you a greater understanding of it. But I want to talk to you today about if, if we watch and we walk through the chronological journey of the church, journey of the disciples, and journey of Jesus and his instructions What did he say to the disciples before they were to go out and do the Great Commission? He told them to wait in Jerusalem and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk to you today specifically about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Everyone say, ooh. Because most people are afraid of it. Because it comes in weird packages. And I would agree. Sometimes it is packaged weirdly. But... I want to look at scripture and define what God wants to do with it and, or him in our life. And that is what I believe God wants to speak to us today. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. And as you're opening, I want to set up this passage of scripture. Acts chapter 19 is 30 to 40 years after the day of Pentecost. So in Acts chapter 1 and 2, we see the day of Pentecost. We see the birth of the church. Acts chapter 19 is 30 to 40 years after that. So the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit. The disciples, what was happening in Acts 19, there was a church planting movement. Everyone, they got saved. Everyone got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they left Jerusalem to plant churches. And they started going on these journeys to these, these weird towns that no one had ever really heard of. And they were proclaiming and preaching the gospel of Jesus. And so they went to towns like Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, um, Corinth, all these different places that they went from Jerusalem to plant these churches. And we come to Acts chapter 19. And what had happened, there was a church planting movement. And so church planting was happening in a town called Ephesus. And Paul went to this town. And we come to Acts chapter 19. Remember, all these churches are planted because the day of Pentecost happened. They were filled with power. And they were like, come on, let's take on the world. And they, and they began to preach the gospel around the world. And missionaries were sent out, which I believe God wants to do fresh and new and again from our church. Just want to drop that in your heart, that God would raise up missionaries from our own church, that God puts a burden on a na- for a nation on their heart, and they would say, I cannot stay here. I must go there and preach the gospel. Doesn't that sound good? 
what it does to me. I don't know if you want to do that or not. But, but God wants to do something fresh and new in our lives and our hearts as well. But this is what has happened. The church has exploded. And we come to this passage in verse, or chapter 19, and people are getting saved and churches are being planted And while Apollos, which was one of the apostles, was in Corinth, or Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Ephesus, churches were being planted in Ephesus, okay? There, he found some disciples, followers of Jesus. And he's asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And this is the question I want to ask all of us today. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you believed. And they answered, what in the world are you talking about, Paul? No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And this is what I want to talk to you today about. And the same question that Paul asked the church that where they were saved, they were followers of Jesus. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were saved? That's, again, my question to all of us today. So in Scripture, I want to approach it this way, and this is a bit of a teaching today because it's important we understand systematically and chronologically what happened in the church and what happened in the Bible. Because I, listen, I have no desire to tell you what I think the Bible says. My desire is to tell you what the Bible actually says. So that's my desire. So when you work through chronologically, I cannot read the Bible with my my little black Sharpie. If I come across something I'm uncomfortable with, I just kind of ee. Just kind of squeak it out there. But God wants us to read the Bible and to believe what it says is what it means. And so today we're going to go on that journey. And there are three baptisms that we find in Scripture. And we're going to look at all three of them. And so they all stand on their own. They are all separate experiences, which we're going to see in Scripture. And you may be thinking, Jason, why are we talking about this on Sunday morning? And I'll tell you my heart. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, besides Jesus, is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's the reason why I'm standing here before you today. It's the reason why I can actually talk in front of you. Why I can actually form a sentence and and it actually makes sense. Well, it makes sense to me. It may not make sense to you. It's the reason that God's given me the boldness to to be the person that I am and to speak unashamedly of his gospel. It's the reason why I have a purpose in my life and God's called me to do something because of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and because I love you and because I want God's best for you, I want you to experience the same thing. And we'll go on this journey together and it's nothing to be afraid of. It's, it's in the Bible. And we're going to do our best to look at it. So the first baptism I want to talk to you about is salvation. It's the baptism in the body of Christ. And actually there's three different places in Scripture where it speaks of the baptism. First one is 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. And the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. That's what it means, baptized by one spirit. We were baptized by the Holy Spirit into Jesus. And I'll tell you what I mean by that and what this means by that. You cannot come to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit first reveals to you that you need Jesus. You can't. I'm sorry. 
Unless you realize that you're a sinner, you cannot come to the realization that you need a Savior. Unless you know that you're sick, you won't know that you need to get well or to be, to be taken care of. And that's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit convicts you and lets you know, hey, listen, listen, son, listen, daughter. You need a Savior. Now, I've was, I was experienced the Holy Spirit's conviction actually more than once. The first time was my baptism of salvation. The second time, there were things in my life that were out of order. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to convict me. And I realize, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize I was wrong. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so he leads us to Jesus. It's important that you understand that a church doesn't lead you to Jesus. A man doesn't lead you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit does. In Galatians, it says the same thing. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself, completely submerged in, wrapped in yourself with Christ or in Christ. It's the same meaning. And I want to show you, actually, the first people to experience the first baptism. It was the early disciples, actually. Let me set the story up for you. As you remember, last week, after Jesus was resurrected, he stayed with his disciples, and he appeared to them among the 40 days after his resurrection. And he gave them some final instruction. And let me tell you what, what had happened. Jesus, the disciples had watched Jesus be crucified. They, he had watched Rome and the Jews turn on him. And he, they saw him be buried. And they were running for their lives. They thought, man... Jesus must have not been who he said he was. And so they're huddled together in a room. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And this is what happens. And I love this. It's starting in John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut. And what, really what this means is they were locked. So the disciples were huddled together and they're like, hey, lock those doors. The Jews are coming after us. Where the disciples, they were assembled for the fear of the Jews. This is, this is cool. And I shared a little bit about this last week. Jesus came and stood in the midst. Now what that means is the, door, they went out the, the doors are shut. The doors are locked. And then Jesus, he's right there in the middle of them. So he says this to them. Peace be with you. Because they're freaking out. He's like, oh, chill out, fellas. It's okay. It's me, Jesus. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Why did he do that? Because, he, hey, guys, listen, it's me. This is me. I'm alive. You see, here's the nails in my, in, my, in my hands, my feet, and my side. Then we go on. Then the disciples were glad. Yes, it is Jesus that they saw the Lord. And they realized this is the same Jesus that was crucified, the same Jesus that was buried. This is the same Jesus that's standing in our midst. And they were glad. I would have been glad too. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Now it's like, isn't it awesome that I'm alive? Exclamation point. Peace be with you. This is some good stuff. I'm alive. Look at me. I don't know if he said look at me, but anyway, you get the point. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now I want you to see this. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Something very important to understand. This word breathe is not this. <sighs> I don't, that's not what it's meaning. It didn't mean Jesus went, ah, on all of them. <laughs> it 
Actually, it means he breathed, which comes out of the second verse of Genesis, which when God breathed on the earth, he created. And this is, it's the word pneuma. It means he created something that wasn't there before. So he breathed pneuma on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to say something to you, and then I'll explain that I don't want you to miss. And you may think once I first say it, what are you talking about, Jason? At this moment, when Jesus breathed on them, was the moment the disciples were born again and saved. I want you to just think about that for a moment. You may say, what are you talking about, Jason? They walked with Jesus for three years. They believed in Jesus. You're right, they did. They were followers of Jesus. But when they walked with Jesus, their sin had not been paid for yet. They could not have the forgiveness of sins. They walked under the old covenant, which by the law and by faith, they were made righteous. But they had not been covered by the blood of Jesus, which just didn't. The old covenant just covered their sins. The new covenant under the blood of Jesus removed their sins from them. And what the Bible says is when we come to Jesus, we become a new creation. In other words, your old life is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. And you, are, you become a new creation, which is you are breathed on, pneuma. You are created. That which wasn't there is now there, which is a new life, a new spirit. And they received the Holy Spirit. At th- what are, think about this. What are the... What are the uh, I guess requirements is the right word, I guess, of becoming a Christian. That you would believe that Jesus was the Son of God. That you would believe that he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose from the dead and he's alive. And that you ask him to forgive you of your sins. That's the requirements. So at this moment, before this happened, they didn't know Jesus was alive. They knew he died, they knew, but he didn't know. And all of a sudden they realized, this is the Son of God. He was crucified, he was buried, he is alive because he's standing right here. Hi Jesus, he's right here. And they were glad. And they became what we call today Christians. It's pretty cool. And so I just want you to just remember that. At that moment, they were saved and received the Holy Spirit. It's very important to notice that when you are saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive it. You got it. Just like they did. Boom. There it is. They received the Holy Spirit. Now what I want to do, I'm going to look at different accounts of this same story. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Bible there are four Gospels. And each, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell the stories and their different interactions of Jesus. So they'll take the same story and they will write about it in a different way. Just like if you and I had a, had a different encounter, we saw something or we heard someone speak, I would be like, man, that stood out to me when they said this and this and this. And you would say, no, I didn't hear that. But you know what stood out to me is when they said this, this, and this. So we could write about the same account, but there would be different highlights depending on our perspectives. So that's what, the, that's what the four Gospels are. And what's cool about it, in theology terms, it's called the harmony of the Gospels. It means they take one account and all these details overlap and they are harmonious. They speak to the same account. And it's super cool because you get to see how they all interact with one another. So I want to look at Luke's account of this same story. 
Now, you can go back, and here's the, the passage. You can go back and read it later. It's the same story, and you'll see that it's the same story. For the sake of time, I want to jump to the end, to verse 49. And Jesus says this, after this story occurred, Jesus said this, that Luke writes, I'm, and Jesus says, I'm going to, which means future tense, I'm going to send you what the Father has promised. Now remember, in John, they had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he remember, he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And in Luke, Jesus says, I'm going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed, or another word for that is baptized or fully immersed in, with power from on high. So these are two different occasions. They've already been, they've already been filled. I don't understand. They've already received the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus is telling them, don't leave Jerusalem until you are filled with power from on high, which is the Holy Spirit. So let's move on to another book, which is the book of Acts. Luke actually wrote the same book, the book of Acts. Same story. Different perspective because he's writing a different book. Acts 13, it says this. After suffering, speaking of Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs. What proofs? His hands, his feet, his side. And he was alive. Plus he like was hanging out with them. That's a pretty good proof. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, which occasion? The one we just read about. The one that's in John, the one that's in Luke, and this one that now Luke is writing about again. While he was eating with them, he gave this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He spoke about it in John. He spoke about it in Luke. And now he's speaking about it's the same story. Luke's telling it a different way. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting. Now you might think, wait a minute, Jason, I thought they were already baptized. At this point, they'd experienced salvation, the baptism into the body, the baptism into Christ. Now they are clothed in Jesus. Their sins are covered. And in the first baptism, you were filled with the Holy Spirit, which we've just seen. He breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. But they had not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem. And you can see all throughout the New Testament that they're actually separate experiences. Salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So the first baptism was in the salvation in the body of Christ. The second baptism is the baptism of water. Now we've all seen that. We celebrated that several weeks ago. People make a decision. They are followers of Jesus. And the baptism into water, it's important you hear this, it is, that is nothing to do with your salvation. You are saved by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ alone, period. It is not by baptism into water that you're saved. But it is a sign. It's like a, a wedding ring that you would wear that says, I belong to someone else. That's what baptism is. And baptism is a response of your salvation. It's to declare that you have been saved. And then there is a third baptism. And every time the Bible speaks of this, it is of a separate experience to salvation. Now listen, I'm sharing this with you today because it is very, very important. Because it was important to the disciples. And I believe in order for you to be and to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, young people, adults, whoever, 
You need to understand this. You need to know that God has more for you. God, you, you just didn't get saved and say, all right, that's it, great. That's all I need. Now you just got to wait for Jesus to come back. God has a purpose and a job and a plan for you, and it is beyond anything you can think or dream of, I promise you. And the third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit when you're saved, but there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit that is empowering to us. It does something in us. It's, it's much like this, and, and I know it, maybe it's hard to understand, but when you were saved according to Scripture, that you were filled up with the Holy Spirit. Does this make you thirsty? Thirsty now? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. You were filled up with the Holy Spirit. His Spirit is in you. It is dwelling in you. There are no second-class Christians. You are saved. You belong to the family. Your last name's been changed. You sit at the dinner table. You, get to, you can go into the refrigerator anytime you want. You don't have to ask permission. You're part of the family. Unless your mom's like my mom, and then you got to ask permission sometimes. But you know what I'm saying. So you're part of the family. And you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is like you take the filled up person and you, or glass and you drop it into a swimming pool. And you're completely baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. It's for you. It's for me. And it's for today. Now, this is where things start getting confusing. Because people are taught all kinds of things. They're taught things that are based on tradition, things that are based on fear. Then it's packaged with all kinds of crazy, weird, spooky, funky stuff. And people are like, um, if that's what it is, then no thanks. And I do not blame you. And I totally understand. But I want us just for today, for this morning, I would prefer that we do it for the rest of our lives, but particularly right now, I want us to ignore crazy. I want us to put out of our minds what we associate the baptism in the Holy Spirit with, spooky or weird or it's tradition. I'm not trying to be denominational. I'm not trying to be Pentecostal. I'm not trying to be any of that. I, I, really what I'm doing is being biblical. And I'm doing my best to walk through this. But it's important for you to know what Scripture says. Because it speaks directly to this event and it's a wonderful, beautiful benefit. That when you read Scripture with an with a open mind, without any of those other kind of influences, you will come to this conclusion. And I want to show you a story in Scripture. I don't want to tell you a story. I'm going to show you a story in Scripture where these three baptisms took place. And it's in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 5. Philip, so remember, the day Pentecost happened, the church was exploding, and Philip went to this town in Samaria, which is 30 miles south of Jerusalem. So he went down there, and he was preaching the gospel. He was proclaiming the Messiah there about Jesus. And when the crowds heard Philip, and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Yeah, you bet they paid attention. I would too. Someone comes in in a wheelchair, and they go, and they walk out skipping and jumping. I'm going to pay attention. And he was proclaiming the gospel. But when they believed, Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, and the, sorry, 
sorry, when they believed, sorry, Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. So they believed first baptism. They were baptized in water, second baptism, both men and women. All right, so this is happening. Revival is happening, let's say, 30 miles south of Faith Bible Chapel. Now, let's just pretend we don't have cars, and our, our, our way of transportation is either camel or donkey. It's going to take us a while, and we're going to have to get some time to get down there. So what happened is word somehow got back from Samaria, and it went up to Jerusalem, and this is what happened in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, They accepted Jesus Christ. They sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them. Who? They prayed for those who who had believed, those who had been saved, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't the same day. It was actually, who knows how long it would have taken the Peter and John to get down from Jerusalem to Samaria. Time had gone by. A church had began in Samaria. People were saved. People were baptized. And when Peter and John arrived there, they said this. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? It had not happened yet. They simply had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, which means they had been saved. And they placed their hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. So Jason, what are you trying to say, Jason? All I'm trying to say is this. God has a journey of knowing him that he wants to take you on. God has more for you than what you realize God has for you. None of this is about someone who has something that someone else doesn't have. All this is about God taking his children on a journey of knowing more and more and more of him. I want to know more of God. And I believe you want to as well. But you know what? Who, who, who wants you to know more about God than I do or the leaders of this church does? God does. He's, he's asking you to come closer because he wants to fulfill his plan in your life for you. Now, why does this baptism in the Holy Spirit get so crazy and confusing? I'll tell you why. I believe it's because the devil hates it. I believe he has been a master at scaring people away from it because he is scared of God's people being empowered by the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I really believe that. What's my biblical thought and proof on that? Is this, when Jesus gave the disciples the great commission, he said, listen, he said, boys, go into all the world, preach the gospel, discipling nations, teaching them what I've taught you, and I'm going to be with you always. But before you go and do all of that, Wait for the Holy Spirit. And remember, this is after they'd been saved. This is after Jesus appeared to them in the midst of their locked room. And he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. He gave them instruction. But he said, before you go and do that, wait for the Holy Spirit. Different experience. And once the Holy Spirit came and he lit their world on fire, and he came inside of them as disciples, and he kicked their ribs sideways, and they shot out of Jerusalem like a rocket to the nations of the world, and they began to unravel everything Satan had done. They began to go in the cities and preach the gospel. 
of pagan religions that sacrifice animals and humans to some strange god that they built themselves. They begin to preach. They begin to take over demonic powers. They begin to silence demons that would try to shriek out and they would cast them out of people and individuals setting people free through the power of the Holy Spirit. They began unraveling everything that Satan had tried to put into place to destroy mankind. Because of why? The power of the Holy Spirit that they waited for in Jerusalem. Satan hates it. And he has done his best in Christianity. He's done his best in the church to try to shroud it in all kinds of craziness. He will use good-meaning Christians to do weird things to keep other good-meaning Christians away from that. No thank you. And my friends, it's for you. And it's not weird. It's not crazy. It's from the hands of a loving father who wants to empower you to transform the world and to undo everything that Satan has done in your family, in your children, in your marriage, in your world, in your community, and in the nations. If he can keep you at an arm's distance from this understanding of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, he just, he, he, listen, just be saved, all right? Just be saved. If I can't keep you from being saved, then I'll just, okay, that's all right. But I'm going to keep you and I'm going to bring confusion in this area of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Listen, if God has anything for us and for me and you, it's good. So if this is what God has for you, and it's a gift from God, is it good or is it bad? It's good. Has God ever given us a bad gift? No. Somewhere along the way, we come to this conclusion that this gift from God is somehow bad. And the only way that I think that could, we could have come to that conclusion is if Satan deceived the church. Everything God has for you is good. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, young people, is good. Students, it's good. And it's powerful. And it's what I want. My prayer, really, honestly, I mean, the prayer of just the leaders of the church is that we would open our hearts and receive everything that God has for us without limitation, without hindering. Listen, God has great things for you. He has great things in store for you. I promise you this. And it is beyond anything that your mind can comprehend. My own experience is that everything that God has led me to has been beyond anything my mind has ever comprehended. You think, well, Jason, I don't know if that's for me. Listen, it is for you. It is for you. And many times we struggle to understand because we can't understand it. How do I understand that, that God would, would show me something about someone else that I have no information about that and he would give me a word of knowledge for someone? I don't understand that. Well, I don't either, but it's God. How is it that God could have me speak in a language which, which the Bible calls tongues and Paul says that he, he wishes that, that we spoke in tongues every day, all the time? That's in the Bible. And I don't think it means the opposite of what it says. And so 
But so I don't understand. I can't understand that language. Listen, I, I understand. I do. But I think many times we, we miss divine encounters because we, we can't fully understand it with our own minds. And so we just think, ah, must not be. But I think God, and I know God is above our own mind. He's above our own intellect. He is supernatural. So if I try to put God in my natural box, he will not be super anymore. So here's my encouragement. It comes out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Paul says this, do not get drunk on wine. It's interesting that Paul writes this. Because everyone wants to have an experience that feels like it's beyond you. It's outside of you. It's, it's not generated within you. It's generated by something else outside of you. And unfortunately and sadly, the world usually chooses drunkenness. Unfortunately, even in the church. And drunkenness leads to debauchery. It means out of control. In other words, you cannot say no to your flesh. You just do whatever. Instead, Paul says, and he's telling these people, stop searching for the experience that your flesh and something of, of substance can bring to you. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. One translation says, be drunk in the Holy Spirit. Why? Really drunk? We're supposed to act the same way? No. But it means to have an experience that feels beyond yourself. To be a part of something that is beyond yourself. So be filled in the Holy Spirit. All right, Jason, how, how do I do that? Four things very quickly. One, remove all barriers. Some of us have doctrinal hang-ups, stuff that's not in the Bible, stuff that's been taught, and we believe it. Listen, don't listen to me either. Don't, don't sit there and take my word for it. I, let me encourage you, read the Bible. Clear your mind from anything that you thought or someone told you or you heard on, on 94.7 or whatever. Read the Bible and ask the Lord to reveal to you. Read, read the Gospels, read the book of Acts. Ask the question, is this for me? And when you see these disciples experience it, you see the church experience it, why not? But you come to that conclusion. Remove the barriers. Maybe it's sin in your life. Anytime that you have a sin in your life and you think, you know what, I'm going to hold on to this. Yes, God, I want salvation, uh, but I want to keep doing this. I want to keep living this life. It's a barrier. And anyone who is honest enough to know, including myself, will tell you that sin hinders the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through your life. We, we can all be honest. We know that. Why? Because we've all had sin that we've held on to ourselves. and We didn't want to give up until the Holy Spirit began to deal with us. And then all of a sudden, once we removed that barrier, it was like wide open space. We could frolic in and enjoy the goodness of God. Maybe there's something in you that says, you know what, I, 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 okay, all right, I'm open to this baptism in the Holy Spirit, but I'm afraid, what's that going to, if the Holy Spirit tells me to go to Africa, I'm not going to Africa. The Holy Spirit tells me to do something different, I don't know if I want to do that. That's a barrier too, because you're saying, listen, my, what I want is more important than what you want. So remove the barriers. 
Say, God, I just want whatever you have for me. Number, number two, how do we receive it? Well, we receive by requesting the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not that difficult. Just ask for it. Lord, I want all that you have for me. That's my prayer for you is that you would just ask God for everything he has for you. I want all your gifts. Matter of fact, we're teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit on Wednesday night. Two weeks ago we taught on the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge. We come from 1 Corinthians 12. Last week we talked about the gift of discerning of spirits. This week we're teaching on the gift of tongues and interpretation. You can come out and join us Wednesday night at 6.30. How does it work? It's for you. And I just, we need to just come to the place of requesting God for it. But Jason, you mean, so if I ask for it but I don't get it and how does all this work? Listen, listen, just relax. Luke eleven thirteen says this. If you then, speaking of us, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Just ask him. Here's, I just, this is my question to you today. Have you asked him for it? Have you really asked him for a fresh touch and a baptism in the Holy Spirit to live a power-filled life? If the enemy has convinced you the baptism in the Holy Spirit isn't for today, then obviously you would not have asked him for it. Number three. Receive him. Receive the Holy Spirit by faith. What this means is that God, what, what this means is everything that God has for you is going to require you to take a step of faith to receive it. It's going to require faith. Nothing I've ever done for God. Nothing. It has always required faith. It's always required me to be like, oh, man, this is a risk, but I'm going to do it. And I step out. Listen, if you can understand it, if you can rationalize it, then you don't need faith. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about a Christianity that is void of intellect. No, 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 no. That, that's not what I'm saying. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But when God draws us nearer to him, there is something he wants us to step outside of our own comfort zone. He wants us to step outside of what we realize. And he wants us to trust him for what we read in scripture and we find to be true. Receive him by faith. Who wants to operate with a God only at the level we can understand? I don't. I want a God that blows my mind. I want a God that keeps me going like, what? That's crazy. That you would use me, that you would use them, that you would use him, that you would use her, that you'd give me dreams in the night, that you'd speak to me about an individual who's going through something. Would you give me a prayer language that when I pray it, it's like God himself is praying through me, for me, and I see the results of my life? Man, that's insane. It's crazy that God would bring me back to a church called Faith Bible Chapel by giving me a dream in England that says, I want you to go back to Faith Bible Chapel. 
what? Do they want me? (laughs) That happened to me. That's why I'm standing here today. I was minding my own business, doing church in England. And in the middle of the night, God gave me a dream, and he spoke to me. And he said, go back to Faith Bible Chapel. And I woke up, I thought, huh, what's that mean? Well, it means go back to Faith Bible Chapel, buddy. That's why I'm here today, because of the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit working through me or in me and speaking to me. I've stood in front of a a congregation before in the middle of ministering, and God told me right in the middle of it, he said, there's a girl here who is, she's been taken advantage of by a man, and I want you to stop, and I want you to tell her that it wasn't her fault, and she's not to feel any guilt, that I'm going to set her free today. When is that a good time? And, And I did it. And when I did it, this young girl over here began to weep and tremble. And I was there with another, with some ministry team. And they surrounded her. They began to speak into her life. And I saw the darkness that the enemy had lied to her be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and her whole countenance shift and change. And she began to smile and to have joy on her life. And God ministered to her and broke through her in her life. That didn't make any sense. I didn't know that. This actually happened in Ireland. And I was living in the U.S. She came to me afterwards. She said, God brought you all the way from the U.S. to tell me that here in this little church in Ireland. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the gifts in operation are for, are for, for us to be witnesses on the earth and for us to serve the body of Christ together. My friends, we need each other. We can't afford for each other to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can't because I need you, you need me. Let's do it together. Let's accomplish something great for the sake of God's kingdom and for the earth. I want it. And fourthly, How do you receive it? Relate to Him every day. Have a relationship with Him. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He's my best friend. Even in my sleep, He counsels me, is what David says. When I rise in the morning, He's there with me. He's surrounding me. He is in me. He gives me answers to things I have no idea what to do. Decisions I have to make, I have no idea how to make them. God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, show me what to do. And sometimes the answer doesn't make sense. I just got to begin to walk out and try to figure it out. And all of a sudden, by faith, he begins to answer these things. Walk with him daily. I pray in my prayer language every day. You're like, Jason, you're saying that publicly? Yes, I am. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of everything that comes from God. I'm not ashamed and I will not be silent about the truth in God's word, period. I'm sorry. And so it is for us and we walk with him every day. My prayer for you comes from a prayer from Paul, actually out of Corinthians that the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, this is for you. The extravagant love of God, that's for you. And the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit would be with you always.
God has each of us on a journey. He has a plan for you. Here's the deal. He has more for you. There are, I want more of God. I will never be satisfied until I step my foot into the grave. I want more of what he has for me. And it's dangerous if we come to a place, and I know it is for me, man. I, I, I know it's dangerous for me to say, you know what, I'm satisfied. I'm okay. I can do this. I know God. I know my routine. I read the Bible. I, I draw near to him. That is dangerous. I want more of him. I want my heart to always cry out for more. Yes, discipline and routine helps us, though, achieve and to reach greater heights with him. That we would constantly want to go higher, constantly want more of what he has, constantly seek the truth of what he is, constantly be challenged that maybe God wants me to step out more and more and more and more. Listen, that's what God has for you. And I think if we were all honest with ourselves, we'd say, that's what I want for me too, Jason. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.